This episode is brought to you by the Who Killed Icky Treasure Hunt, Morty App, Buzzshot, Cogs by Clockwork Dog, and Patreon supporters like you. Welcome to the Reality Escape Pod, your lifeline when you need a getaway from the real world. I'm David Spira, alongside my co-host, PG Law. Together, we're exploring immersive gaming from all angles, and we'll be joined by guests who really know their stuff. Today's guest is John Brommels. John is a puzzle and experience designer from Cincinnati, Ohio, who has worked on projects ranging from this year's MIT Mystery Hunt to our very own 2021 Reality Escape Convention game to the Who Killed Icky Treasure Hunt with prizes totaling $50,000 that is happening Saturday, January 27th, 2024. Welcome, John. Thanks so much, David. It's great to be here. Thrilled to have you. And before we get started, I'd like to take a minute to thank Galbraith Literary Publishers for sponsoring this episode. I was really excited to learn about this treasure hunt when they approached us to sponsor our off-season content, and I immediately knew that we should interview the creator of The Hunt. I'm really curious to learn more about it and see how it all works. So thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, I want to add, we took on this sponsored episode, which is something we haven't done before, partially because we know John and we know what he is capable of. But also, we are so excited that a publishing company is using the medium of puzzles and puzzle hunt and escape room adjacent stuff to promote a book. It's something that the more we can get things like this happening, the more we can have people making more sustainable livings in this space. We can draw more attention to it. And we love it when a company like Galbraith brings in someone who knows what they're doing, like our guest. And actually, it's very funny because one of the first conversations I had with Galbraith when they approached me about doing a puzzle hunt to promote a mystery book was they asked, how do you think this will go? Do you think this will get good response? And I had to be honest and say, honestly, I don't know because I am unaware of any similar effort to promote a book. I know of a couple of things that have been done to promote movies and films. I know of a couple of things that have been done to promote other events or puzzle sorts of activities. I'm really not aware if there has been one of an effort to do a puzzle hunt to promote a book that is not in itself a puzzle. There is a mystery. It's a whodunit. You can solve it, but it is not full of puzzle content. There's no hidden meanings inside the pages. We're excited that they were down for the experiment and that they brought you on. And they have been fantastic to work with, as has the author George Brown. He is quite the character, but has been a lot of fun. And he's been an integral part of coming up with the storyline for the hunt to make sure that it feels organic with the book, that it's not just something we tacked on to it to try to sell some copies. He really has been very dedicated to ensuring that the puzzle hunt fits within the world of the story. Yeah, and I could see already the story, the characters from the puzzle hunt are quirky and they have their own personality. You know, it doesn't feel like a secondhand thought, which has been great. So before we dig into the actual Who Killed Icky treasure hunt, talk to us a little bit about how you found your way into the puzzling world. Yeah, I actually came to the puzzling universe, I would say fairly late in the game, although 
I feel like this is a world that has really exploded and expanded in terms of the number of opportunities there are to participate over the last 10 to 15 years. But what happened was in 2017, a friend of mine, Jeremy Dubin and myself, we actually had a similar idea both at the same time independently of one another. And that idea was, how about a bar crawl where you go to the first bar, you solve a puzzle, and the answer tells you what the next bar is. And thus the puzzle crawl was born. Our first public one was September of 2017. We did it practically monthly up until February of 2020. Leap Day 2020 was the last one that we did because we all know what happened right after that. And we were unable to, of course, keep those going on a monthly basis. We do hope to get back to a more regular cadence soon. So to any of our fans who are listening who have been disappointed that we haven't been doing these more often, yes, we're also disappointed that we haven't been doing them more often, but we've both been really busy with other things. What city were you doing these puzzle crawls in? So the puzzle crawl was Cincinnati, which is where I'm based and where Jeremy's based. We are recording this days after your team, the team formerly known as the team to be named later, ran the 2024 MIT Mystery Hunt. How was your hunt? I had a fantastic time and even better, the players seem to have had a fantastic time as well. So yeah, the team to be named later hosted this year's hunt. Death and Mayhem won, so they will host next year's hunt because the prize for winning a mystery hunt, of course, is you get to host the following years. Prize and punishment. It is a double-edged sword, but I think we wielded it well, and it was so much fun. A lot of work. I'm completely exhausted, but I can't stress how much fun it is to be out there and providing an iconic experience for so many puzzlers. We didn't get a chance to participate this year, but the chatter in our Patreon community has been very positive about this year's hunt. And then some of our other folks in that community were on Death and Mayhem and won, and we will be providing emotional support for them as they uh, descend into the depths of MIT Mystery Hunt creation. We are very excited for them. I'm looking forward to a year from now for them as well. I mean, that's what all of this is really about, right? When you design puzzles, when you design experiences, immersive theater, it's really for the audience and you really want them to have the best possible experience. And that's actually one of the big things that was motivating me as I was working on the Icky Treasure Hunt was to make sure that we were providing an experience to players, especially players who maybe weren't as familiar with puzzles weren't as well-versed, weren't at the level that inspires people to play the MIT Mystery Hunt, where very few of the puzzles even have instructions and is a 72-hour marathon. Yeah, because the MIT Mystery Hunt is its own language and culture and world, and you have to be let in to that world. You need a guide because it is impossible to really wrap your head around the complexity of this giant beast of an event. But that's not what you're striving for with Who Killed Icky. You're looking to make something a lot more accessible. So tell us about what that is. Our goal is that any team of uh, individuals who are interested in puzzles, maybe you do the Wordle, maybe you do the New York Times crossword every day, maybe you have done a Sudoku Maybe you like escape rooms and you are good at solving escape rooms. 
that is the level of puzzle we are looking at here. That is what I've tried to do. And one of the big things that I intentionally did was to keep the puzzles approachable by using very common forms. I tried to put a little twist on each of them. And if you play the hunt, you will see this. But for example, if you open up a puzzle and you see a grid full of letters and some words down the side, you don't need instructions to tell you that's probably a word find. Those words are probably hidden in there somewhere. So my goal was to use these common forms to make sure that it was very easy to break into the puzzle to figure out what it was you were supposed to be doing initially. And then in some cases, there are twists on these common forms. I can't tell you what those are because, of course, that would be giving things away. But whenever I've strayed from the sort of straight and narrow standard path of what the puzzle appears to be, I've tried to make sure that we have instructions and writing to let you know what to do. So actually, I guess this is my like pro tip for all of your listeners. Make sure you read the instructions. You can cheat by reading. <laughs> well, it sounds like you've made it accessible. And that's really good to know because I'm super intimidated by like the MIT mystery hunt. I already know it's way out of my league and I consider myself an above average puzzler. So this is really exciting. So that means get out there and enter this because you too could have a chance to win. <laughs> and I'm hoping that by keeping it simple, by going with familiar forms, by providing clear instructions, I'm hoping that, yes, that's going to remove some of the advantage that someone who has been doing the mystery hunt for years, a team that is really dyed in the wool puzzlers. Obviously, yes, if you've been doing it for 20 years, you probably have the advantage over someone who just picked it up yesterday. But I'm hoping to level that playing field so that everyone has a good chance of finishing. And my hope is that any team of six people, teams are up to six, can finish on the day of. And so it won't become a multi-day thing. It's something you could do with a group of friends in an afternoon. Sounds great. The treasure hunt's title, Who Killed Icky, is deviating from the book title, Who Killed Jerusalem. Help me understand the backstory on this one. Well, to be frank, there are some things going on in the Middle East right now that are very tragic and very horrific events. And we did not want people to mistakenly see the words killed and Jerusalem in our advertising and think that we were talking about something that we weren't. So the book is titled Who Killed Jerusalem? But the Jerusalem in that title is actually the title of a poem by William Blake, who was a British poet from the 19th century. And that's where it comes from. The book itself is set in 1977 in San Francisco. So none of it has anything to do with the Middle East, with Israel, with Palestine, any of it. And we wanted to make sure that we weren't going to create an unpleasant surprise for someone who was looking for a fun afternoon. So we decided to go ahead and change this to Who Killed Icky? So again, the victim's name is the Poet Laureate of San Francisco, fictional, of course, Icky Jerusalem, both names taken from William Blake poems. So we just decided to, for the hunt name, change it from his last name to his first. This seems wise. We don't want to make that connection. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. And the book is already published. The book's title was never going to be able to change, but you could change the name of the hunt 
So let's get into some of the details of the Who Killed Icky treasure hunt. How do people participate? So to participate, you need to register your team. You would go to ickytreasurehunt.com. That's I-C-K-E-Y treasurehunt.com. We have a sign up on the top menu. We have a register button down below. So many different ways, but you don't need to have your team finalized to register your team. All you need is one person. That's you, the team captain, and you'll fill in the names and email addresses of your teammates. Again, up to six total on a team, and it will auto send them an email letting them know that they've been invited to join your team. They need to click on the link in that email. It will take them to a registration form. We do need everybody to fill out the registration form on an individual level because it is a contest uh, and there are laws and you have to opt in and basically say that you are agreeing to the terms of the contest and all players on the team have to do that. And then the only requirement is you have to either buy a copy of the book or fulfill the alternate means of entry requirements by, I think we made it one hour after the hunt actually starts at 1 p.m. Eastern on Saturday, January 27th. It's a good idea to do it way earlier. So make sure if you are buying the book, don't go in at five minutes till and try to buy the book because you might be late. Go in earlier. Go in the day before. If you think you're going to do the alternate means of entry, go and look at the rules on, again, ickytreasurehunt.com. Figure out what those are. Figure out how you're going to do it. Don't wait until the last minute. That's my pro tip. I'll second that and I'll add, having reviewed all of the rules, the easiest way to enter is to buy the book. I would agree. And obviously, we hope that people will buy the book because this is why they are doing this contest to sell books. And we hope that you will buy it. Also, you will need a copy of the book, regardless of whether you buy it or do the alternate means of entry. Your team will need to have access to a copy of the book in order to solve the puzzles. So I want to make that also clear. You don't need to have every single person on the team holding a book, but someone needs to have a copy of the book if you are going to make it through at least one of the puzzles. And a physical copy or an ebook, either version will work fine for this purpose, right? Either version will work. We have found that in some cases it's easier to have an ebook because they do tend to have search functions and that makes it easy to search through the book for certain things. However, you can accomplish the same thing by, for example, marking chapters or marking a page number with paper clips or ribbons or bookmarks or something like that in a hard copy. Here's the one thing I will warn you. It's another pro tip. Getting a leg up. I must be feeling generous. Be forewarned that once you download a book onto a Kindle, it sometimes takes a couple of hours for the book to sync and to be able to use the search function in your Kindle. Just another reason to buy the book early if you plan to buy the book so that you don't have to have that big wait while your Kindle syncs up with the book so you can search for things. This is just a general good practice for puzzle hunts and treasure hunts. Preparation. Have all your writing implements. Have any materials you think you might need. Have lines of communication open with your teammates if you're going to be puzzling from different places. You know, have a Google Doc, have a Google Sheet, have all of that stuff open and ready. Just be ready with everything you think you might need. Have your food and snacks around already. Don't have to sort that stuff out while you are in the hunt. Exactly. 
Now, one of the most exciting things about the Who Killed Icky treasure hunt is that it has a pretty substantial prize pool. Can you tell us about what first place wins? First place is $25,000. And yes, that is a cash prize. I have learned so much about U.S. contest law by working on this project. Oh, it's a nightmare. Galbraith Literary Publishers really opened my eyes because they are doing everything by the book. They want to make sure that everybody knows that this is legit, but all of the prizes have been bonded, which I didn't even formally know was a thing. This is a cash prize. We are not doing something where we give you a signed poster of the author and say, well, we're valuing this at $50,000. No. Or you're not forcing them to craft the next year's treasure hunt. (laughs) If anybody would like to craft one for next year, please call me, let me know. (laughs) But no. So it's $25,000 first prize. That's for the winning team, the team that completes the final meta puzzle in the shortest amount of time. And then it is 5,000, 4,000, 3,000, 2,000, and then six $1,000 prizes. So every team up through 11th place will finish in the money. And again, you are only eligible though, if everyone on your team has either bought a copy of the book or fulfilled the alternate means of entry requirements. All right. So even if you come in 11th place, there is still money to be won. That's fantastic. And I saw that they're also offering prizes that don't require you to be the fastest. They only require you to have solved the puzzle. So can you talk a little bit about the mini puzzle challenge that you're also running? Absolutely. We had initially talked about a puzzle hunt that had a big cash prize for the winning team. And I felt pretty strongly that was not the optimal way to go because If you make it a big prize for one team, the teams that have been doing this a lot probably have a little bit of an advantage, no matter how much you level the playing field. And I felt like that might be a deterrent. People might look at that and say, eh, I know I'm not going to come in first. I might come in third. I might come in fifth. I might come in 10th, but I'm not going to come in first. So why should I even bother? First of all, bother because once you've bought the book, you get to keep the book if you go that route. And so, you know, It's buy the book, you have a nice book now, and you get to play the hunt for free if you want to look at it that way. But also, I felt like it was important to give people a chance to not be first and still take something away. The second thing we wanted to do was make sure that people knew that these puzzles were accessible, that these puzzles were the kinds of puzzles that they could solve. And so this was actually George's idea, the author. George decided that every two weeks we would release a puzzle online that would give solvers who maybe weren't familiar with puzzle hunts in general or the specific puzzle hunt interface, the idea that you have to type your answer into a solution box, the idea that you are seeing this puzzle, but you can't write on it. You can't fill in the grid like you can on a Wordle or on a crossword app. He felt like it was really important to give people that opportunity to try it out, essentially try before you buy So if you go to ickyminipuzzles.com, again, that's I-C-K-E-Y minipuzzles.com. There's also a link at ickytreasurehunt.com. You can uh, solve some mini puzzles, which are designed around the characters in the book. I believe it's the last one is up there right now, and it will give you the opportunity to become familiar with the hunt interface. And you will also have the opportunity to win a $50 Visa gift card because these are free to enter. You do not have to make any purchase. There's no alternate means of entry. It is just solve the puzzle, enter your answer, and 
all correct answers are entered into a drawing for a $50 Visa gift card for each puzzle. And we are grateful, of course, to Galbraith Literary Publishers for sponsoring that as well. And I saw that if you solve every single puzzle, you can then be entered into a drawing for $5,000. Hang on one sec. Is that true? My gosh, we're crazy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty sure that's true. (laughs) Oh, it is. Plus five, that's all bonus treasure enterprise. I've forgotten all about that. We're giving away so much money. I don't even know what we're giving. What are we giving away? You'll get money. You'll get money. Yes, that's absolutely right, PG. Yeah. So if you go in and solve all of the puzzles and the previous week's puzzles are available there, once you log in, go ahead and solve everything. It doesn't matter that you missed a couple of weeks. And there are some additional, I believe, requirements that you need to fulfill in order to get that prize. Just go read the fine print, folks. To be really clear on all this stuff, as John was getting to earlier, contest law in the United States is a giant jumble. So we're giving you broad strokes, the key information that you are absolutely going to need. But I would strongly recommend that if you care about trying to win the prize money, just make sure someone on your team can take a few minutes to run through that list of rules Make sure that you are adhering to all of them. That is the right way to make sure that when you do well, that you actually get your prize money. Okay, I worked it out. It's $5,000 bonus cash if you are on one of the 11 teams that wins a different cash prize. That's the $5,000. And I remember, and it's what you're saying about contest law, David. We wanted to have it be anybody who was on a team that completes the hunt, but we couldn't do that because of some particular laws. And so it had to be a team that was already winning a prize. Yeah, I know because I'm paying a lawyer right now to sort out whether we can do a contest that we're thinking about doing. So yeah, we'll see. Let me know if you need any tips. I know some good experts in the field. Very good to know. But yeah, whether you win the prizes or not, at the end of the day, there is one prize that everyone can enjoy, and that is the joy of puzzling. Indeed. And at $9.99 for the ebook, that is much cheaper than you would pay to go into probably any escape room in America. Although I don't know, there may be some that are less than $9.99 a person. I don't think so. I don't think so either, but there could be. It's the middle of the winter in North America here. It has been excessively cold lately. Stay indoors on a Saturday, make some hot chocolate, solve some puzzles with your friends, get yourself a mystery book. You're going to have a good time. Who killed Icky Treasure Hunt? And for all of our listeners, also, I think buying this book will help show support for publishers who are using puzzle hunts to promote their books. This is definitely something that I want to support also. That's why we wanted to promote this treasure hunt. I think it sounds like a fantastic idea. It's going to be so much fun. And again, this contest is going to be taking place January 27th. So make sure you're registered before then. And if you are listening to this after the 27th, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. And you can still go and solve the puzzles just outside of the contest, because we are going to keep the site live if you can't make it on the 27th. Fantastic. I didn't even know that. So the puzzles persist. We're taking a moment to thank our upcoming sponsors for Season 7, Morty, Buzzshot, and Cogs by Clockwork Dog. 
Morty is a free app for discovering, planning, tracking, and reviewing escape rooms, haunts, and other immersive social outings. And Morty is now available for all to use on its fantastic website experience, iPhone app, and its new Android app. We'd also like to thank our sponsor, Buzzshot. Buzzshot is escape room software, powering business growth, player marketing, and improving the customer experience. They offer an assortment of pre- and post-game features, including robust waiver management, review management, and branded team photos. Streamline your marketing and grow your escape room business. Repod listeners get an extended free trial and 20% off your first three months with no setup fees or hidden charges. Visit buzzshot.com slash repod, that's R-E-P-O-D, to learn more. And thank you to sponsor COGS by Clockwork Dog. COGS is an easy-to-use software-hardware platform for running interactive events, including escape rooms and other immersive experiences. They have plug-and-play hardware that seamlessly integrates with their software that makes it easy to create a show with lighting and sound cues. Get the COG starter set for only $130 plus free shipping to the USA. This bundle is usually valued at $257. You can learn more and purchase your starter set at COGS.show. Use code REPOD at checkout. Again, that's R-E-P-O-D. Thank you so much to Morty, Buzzshot, and COGS by Clockwork Dog. Our sponsors are making Season 7 possible. You can find the links and details in the show notes. Supporting our sponsors supports this podcast. John, what was Professor Lorenzo's Carnival of Mysteries? Oh, boy. Professor Lorenzo's Carnival of Mysteries was an immersive pop-up that I did thanks to a grant from a, an organization called People's Liberty here in Cincinnati. I like to tell people that it was one one hundredth the size of Meow Wolf and with one two hundred fiftieth the budget of Meow Wolf. But otherwise, it was, I like to think, somewhat similar to that in that you came in off the street to a carnival atmosphere and we had activities that you could do. We had a high striker, you know, the thing that you hit with the hammer and it goes ding. We had a balance beam, so you could be the tightrope walker. We had a wheel of fortune for the fortune teller. We had popcorn. And that was fine, and a lot of people just stayed in the carnival and didn't go any deeper than that. However, there was a hidden puzzle, and if you solved it, you could go through a hidden door into a portal that took you to another world that was full of trees that were growing, phone receivers that had a bathroom that was shooting through outer space that had an upside-down art gallery and puzzles galore. I think there were more than 25 puzzles that you had to solve through the entire thing, and it all culminated in solving the mystery of Professor Lorenzo's Carnival of Mysteries, which was figuring out how to get that carnival back to the early 20th century where it belonged from the early 21st century. It was a blast. I had so much fun doing it. I'm so grateful to People's Liberty for taking a chance on this cockamamie project. And I still have the comic books that we drew up for them. But that was my first interactive, immersive environment, like an actual space that I got to transform. There's a video on Vimeo of the highlights of this that we'll put into the show notes. It looked like a great time. I wish I got to do it. It was so much fun. 
John, what is the best way for people to follow you and your work? Let me just say, if you want to follow me on social media, I'll be amazed. Uh, <laughs> that's an old Mitch Hedberg joke. <laughs> anyway, sorry. You can go to my website, which I finally got around to actually updating to the point that it was usable. Uh, you can go to bromels.com, which is B-R-O-M-E-L-S.com. I am also... I'm on Facebook and Instagram, but not as much as I should be. I'm on LinkedIn, but not as much as I should be. I'm really bad at that. But yes, the website I try to keep updated. I hopefully, now that I have a certain project that is off my plate, maybe in February, I will actually start promoting myself more. But uh, this past year has been a whirlwind and I really haven't had time to do anything. Oh. John, thank you so much for joining us. This has been a pleasure. Thank you for bringing us into the Who Killed Icky treasure hunt world and introducing us to Galbraith Literary Publishers. January 27th, Who Killed Icky Treasure Hunt. Get the book or figure out how you're entering in advance. Get organized. Have some fun with some puzzles. Win some money. Have a good time. Thanks for joining us, John. Thank you both so much. It's always a pleasure, and I hope we get to hang out again. Likewise. For all of our regular listeners, we are hard at work right now producing Season 7. It is a themed season that we'll be releasing in March. We are going to be shining a spotlight on Southern California in celebration of our convention, the Reality Escape Convention. Get your tickets now. Get ready for Season 7. It is going to be great. And meanwhile, I hope you're enjoying this off-season content that we're producing. If you miss having episodes come up on your feed, we have bonus after shows. Become a patron today and you can access our library of over 60 bonus episodes. And if you're enjoying everything that we're doing, we would love it if you could leave us a five-star review. The Reality Escape Pod is produced by Teresa Piazza with support by Lisa Spira and Michael Augie Augustine. We're edited by Steve Ewing of Stand Inside Media, music by Ryan Elder, logo by Janine Proct, and all of this is brought to you by RoomEscapeArtist.com, your home for well-researched, rational, and reasonably humorous escape room and immersive gaming content and events. The Mystery Hunt Story. Please be forewarned, this story will contain a spoiler for one of the puzzles in the 2024 MIT Mystery Hunt. We were working on a puzzle for uh, Mystery Hunt. My friend who I met through the Mystery Hunt, her name is Fuzzy. She's fantastic. I loved working with her. We wrote several puzzles for the Mystery Hunt together, and they're like all my favorites. But we were writing a puzzle, and we needed to find a word for that puzzle that was a food, preferably a meat and it couldn't be chicken, and it had to start with C. And I said, well, the only thing I can think of is a capon. And Fuzzy said, what's a capon? And I said, oh, it's a rooster that's been castrated. And she said, what? Why do they have a separate word for that? And I said, a lot of castrated animals have separate words for it. I said, like an ox, you know, is just a castrated bull. And she said, no, it is not. And I said, yeah, it is. And she's like, I don't believe it. And she pulls up her phone and looks it up. She's like, what? The internet treats her to the world of names of different castrated animals. And so we said, all right, this is a puzzle now, right? We have to make a puzzle based on castrated animals. So 
The entire hunt process went by and it was very close to the end and they had said no more puzzles and I said, you know what? I'm just going to put in our pitch for the castrated animal puzzle. So we did, and the idea was that we were going to take the clues and we were going to remove all the O's out of the descriptions of the animal, and that was how we were going to do it. And so we called the puzzle two outs, two strikes, and uh, the solution for the puzzle was that teams had to give us two balls. And they... (laughs) Rude to the animals! So we got balled up pieces of paper. We got a picture of Lucille Ball playing basketball, which made me feel old when one of the younger (laughs) members of our team saw that and said, I don't see the second ball. Somebody had cooked us like little corn fritter balls. A team came and did an entire mime baseball pitch series where the batter did get two balls. It was just really fantastic. All the different ways that the players figured out to fulfill the instruction give us two balls. And then we had our answer aside. So this, as I said, was a replacement puzzle. So we didn't know what the answer was going to be. And the answer that we got assigned randomly ended up being distical. And we didn't know what distical meant. And apparently it means actually like a two-line verse, a two-line poetic verse. And we were like, that kind of works. And Fuzzy, who's the greatest, says, distical sounds like a different word. Did you notice that? And I said, I didn't before, but now I can never unhear that. And we got so many compliments from puzzlers saying, wow, you had this really bizarre answer, and yet you did a great job making this puzzle work with that answer. And we said, thank you. Yes, that was totally intentional, and we planned it from the start. 